Get a gold rose on your nose. Perfect attendance so far in the year 2023. Thank you very much. I love that. For all the rest of you just watching online, we have New Year's resolutions every single year. All of us come up with some because the New Year is a great time for us to reflect, to evaluate, to think about through introspective means what it is we ought to do with a new year. But I have a suggestion for you. And my suggestion is that you do not make New Year's resolutions. Don't do it. Just scratch them out. You don't need to. New Year's resolutions, they fail. They don't work. They don't work. Every single year, you know that this is the case. If you're a gym guy, you know that it's going to be really crowded this month, maybe half of next month. By Valentine's, certainly by March, it'll be back to normal. Because it always goes that way. That's how it always is. If you say, all right, that's it. I'm going to read the Bible every single day this year. You're going to be off to a really good start because we'll read some of the Bible together today. But what happens in a couple days when you miss a day? Or you miss two? Or you wake up and you realize you've missed two weeks. And, and we just think, ah, this resolution that I've made just isn't working. Or you know what? I'm resolved to eat well until we go to the buffet. And then, and then it's off. Well, it's been a month and a half of bad eating. And so, so what's a little bit... We do this all the time. And spiritually, we do this regularly. We come up with these ideas because we all want to improve. We do. We want to be our very best for God. And yet something stops us. Something snookers us as we get on our way. And so my contention is that we do not make New Year's resolutions. We do something a little bit differently. I believe that we should come up with a New Year's vision. A New Year's vision is far more effective than a New Year's resolution, or two, or three. For resolutions are mere declarations of our intent, and that won't get the job done. That just won't get the job done. Instead, I believe that we ought to cast a New Year's vision. Now, New Year's visions are very, very different from New Year's resolutions because when we think of vision, we need to think rightly. Vision is going to be the thing that helps us accomplish the goals that we may set for ourselves. In fact, what I want you to do is understand an acronym. The acronym VIM, VIM. Sort of like the old phrase, VIM and vigor. If you want to be a man filled with VIM and vigor, that means you're going to go out there and you're going to get stuff done. I want you to think about this acronym, V-I-M, VIM. Now, the V stands for vision, the I for intention, and the M for means. We'll focus on vision, but let's think about the second two for a moment. Intention. Intention is one's desire. If you have the will, if you have the desire, if you have the want to improve in Christlikeness, or to get healthier physically, or to do something, or to drop some habit... The intention is just the desire to do so. You want something to happen. And I believe that every single one of us, by virtue of being here today in Yahweh's house, in the house of God, has the desire to know God better. I believe that each and every single one of us has the desire to become more like Christ. It's what we do at church Church is a time for believers to congregate, to gather together, to be filled with inspiration and uplifting charge and zeal, to reaffirm our desire 
to go out and share the good news. All week long, we have opportunities to put into practice what God has put onto our hearts, and we have the desire to grow. I know it. That's what the I is, the intention. The M is the means. How do you grow? What do you do? The intention is the desire. The means are the how. How will you go about it? Well, if I were to come up with an example, if I were to say right now, if some rich benefactor, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know, if, the, if, if Johnny Morris were to be here today and he were to say, all right, you know what, I didn't tell anybody, but I tell you what, if we can start at, let's say, noon today, and I will give everybody in this congregation $1 million if you can run a marathon in less than four hours. Oh, I believe that there would be 300 people trying to run a marathon today. I'd be included among them. Absolutely. And I believe that he would only have to give away a couple of million dollars because most of us would not finish a marathon in less than four hours. Now, some of you are young and fit and healthy, and maybe you can do that. The rest of us, it probably wouldn't happen. But some of you could. But if Johnny Morris were to say, I tell you what, in one year's time, on the day January 1st, 2024, I will make the exact same offer. I will offer anyone in this congregation $1 million if you can finish a marathon in less than four hours. <laughs> Every one of us thinks, how am I going to spend my money next year? Because surely we can get ready in a year's time. After all, we want the money. We want to get the million dollars. We think, oh, lots of good stuff I could do with that. Okay, all right. We have the intention. We have the desire. And so today, we would try our hardest. But after we failed, and Johnny gave us the opportunity for next year, we would still have the intention. And we'd say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to practice. I'm going to And we would come up with the means. You might subscribe to Runner's World magazine. You might get a treadmill. You might go out and get a brand new pair of running shoes. And you might say, oh yeah, I'm going to practice. First, I'm going to go from couch to 5K. I'm going to learn a little bit. I'm going to get a little bit better. And then you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do a 10K. And then in a couple months' time, yeah, I'm going to be running a half marathon. And by this time next year, I can do it. And you know what's going to happen? Johnny's not going to have to give away very many millions of dollars. Why? Because somewhere along the line, no matter how strong a desire we have, and no matter how many means we acquire to get the job done, it doesn't work. And my contention is that our resolutions are just like that. And it's my contention that the main reason they fail is because we do not have vision. Vision is so important. Vision is when you can see yourself having accomplished the thing that you desire, using the means at your disposal, and you can understand the difference in your life. The vision that you would have to have throughout the year would be, I'm going to pay off this debt. I'm going to be able to get that surgery. I'm going to be able to pay off my mom's house. I'm going to be able to do this. And you start seeing yourself with the money. You have to visualize, and you have to have the vision of what it would be like. But we're playing with stakes far greater than earthly treasure. We have spiritual stakes before us. And if we have the desire to grow in Christ-likeness, 
and do as God Almighty has for us to do, we need far more than the intention. I believe you have the intention. The desire exists. And the means are certainly there. The church provides many, many means for spiritual growth. Why is it that we don't grow at the rate we desire? It's because sometimes we fail to capture the vision. I believe that we can capture the vision. And so you know what we're going to do this year? This year we are going to focus the first part of the year on the book of Colossians. On the book of Colossians. And this small book will have a mighty impact on our lives. We will focus on the book of Colossians, and as we read through this book together, verse by verse, line by line, gleaning what the Spirit has to say for us, we will have the opportunity to grow in Christ-likeness. And this could change the entire direction of our lives, of our families' lives, of our community, of our impact as a church. By digging into the book of Colossians together, we have an opportunity to grow. And so what I would love to do for you this morning is I'd love to read to you just the first two verses of the book of Colossians. And this is what it says. I'm going to be reading out of the Legacy Standard Bible. The Legacy Standard Bible. This is one of my Christmas presents. Now, I received some uh, very generous financial contributions so I could go out and get myself a brand new preaching Bible. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Diana. And mom and dad. Thanks very much for that. And so I went right out to Mardell and I searched out because I've been researching. The Legacy Standard Bible is like the NASB, only with some updates. I really, really like it. It mentions Yahweh by name, along with the Holman and a few other good English translations. And I really, really enjoy it. And I've been studying God's Word in the NIV for years, decades. And sometimes it's great to study God's Word in another translation. And so my study of Colossians is coming out of the Legacy Standard Bible. And this is what verses 1 and 2 say to us. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ and Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now this seems like a very common introduction, but we have to understand that there is nothing mere or common about the introduction to the book of Colossians. In two verses, we see a lot already taking place. First of all, the author of the book of Colossians is the Apostle Paul. Paul, who is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, but he is not the only author of this book, for there is another human author, Timothy, our brother, some of you remember Timothy, our brother, for Paul has written a few letters encouraging Timothy, First and Second Timothy. We read them together as a congregation over the last bit of the last few years. At the end of 21 and the beginning of 22, we were in First and Second Timothy. We know about Timothy. Timothy, that young man from Lystra whose father was not a believer, whose mother, Eunice, was a believer, whose grandmother, Lois, was a believer, who was taught the way of truth. And then when the Apostle Paul, and we remember the Apostle Paul, the guy who started out as Saul of Tarsus, the one who was on the fast track to join the Jewish Supreme Court known as the Sanhedrin, the one who persecuted and was responsible for the murder of the very first Christian martyr of all time, 
This guy, this one who would breathe out murderous threats against the church, was the one knocked off his high horse one day on the way to Damascus when he saw the light, and it scared him dearly. It knocked him down, blind, and yet Christ Jesus pulled him up and commanded him to serve, and his life was changed. Paul became an apostle to the Gentiles by the will of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus, a powerful man, and he's writing to a group along with his brother Timothy, and that group is the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Now, Colossae is in what we know as modern-day Turkey, and this congregation no longer exists. In fact, by the year 63 AD, the town no longer existed. This helps us to date when the book of Colossians was written far earlier than the year 63 when a terrible earthquake came and destroyed the region. Now, close surrounding towns like Laodicea and some of the others were able to rebuild, but Colossae did not. So we know that this book is actually dated within the first century to the early 60s, when Paul, probably writing from Rome in jail, penned a letter. In fact, it may have been Timothy who wrote the words, but it was Paul and Timothy together, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing to the faithful brothers, the saints at Colossae. Now, it's important that we be faithful, that we be faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, so that grace can come to us and peace from God our Father. This is what we desire. We desire peace. Peace is the idea of fullness with God. It's not merely a lack of animosity with God. No, no, it's far more. It's a connectiveness, a connectivity with God. Peace with God is when we are whole, when we are not separate, when we are not fragmented, when we are not divided. Peace is when we are Christ-like, when we are in the will of God. And the means by which we understand peace with God is grace to you. God's grace is the means by which we are saved. God's grace is the mechanism that saves us. God's grace is what God does. By grace, God created the universe. By grace, God orchestrated the Bible. By grace, God made us in his image. By grace, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, God the Son, the Logos, we know him as Jesus, came to earth and became a human man. By grace, he died on the cross for our sins by grace, he who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. By grace, God forgives our sinfulness. Our job is to be faithful. To be faithful so that we can grow in God's grace and we can receive the benefit of peace that comes from God Almighty. So how do we do it? How do we capture a New Year's vision? Well, my contention is this. I want you to think not just about your life right now. Think about your life right now. Are you where you want to be spiritually? If somebody came to you and asked, are you a faithful member of Christ Jesus? Would you describe yourself as a faithful brother in Christ? A faithful sister in Christ? Would you introspect with the Holy Spirit's help, and would you say, oh yeah, 
I'm faithful and growing more so every day? Or would you have a slight bit of doubt? There are many Christians who exist in that world of doubt. After all, it's very easy to exist in a world of doubt. We have a world that tells us to doubt, to doubt the truth, to doubt that there is truth, to doubt that this is the truth, to doubt that you should spend your time and life and effort and talent and treasure and energy doing this, to doubt if it's worth it. After all, the world seems to be getting more and more antagonistic. Sometimes your workplace is antagonistic against faith. Sometimes your relationships are antagonistic against faith. Sometimes it seems like your very life is orchestrated against faithfulness. And you feel like you're running uphill all the time. And how will you ever achieve the Christ-likeness that you desire? You may even feel like once in a while you're doing it all by smoke and mirrors. You're helping people think that you're faithfulness. After all, you did come to church on the very first day of the year. That's really, really good. And people might see your faithfulness, but you might fear it's not real. The book of Colossians is written in no small part to give assurance and reassurance to believers in Christ that their faith is genuine, that their salvation is assured, and that their life commitment to Christ is not in vain. And there are some amongst us in this room who doubt, who think, maybe my commitment to Christ is in vain. Maybe everything I'm doing just isn't worth it. Everything seems to be going wrong for me. So it might not be worth it. And we doubt. We doubt the genuineness of our own salvation. If I were to say by show of hands, how many of you know with 100% certainty that were you to die this day, that this night you would be in the arms of God Almighty? There are some who would want to raise their hands high, but they would doubt. And they would think, I'm, I'm just not sure about the genuineness of my salvation. I'm j- what about those horrible things I just did last night? I haven't even said sorry to God yet. And, and we would want to raise our arm, and yet doubt would prevent us. There are some amongst us who doubt the genuineness of our own faithfulness. We think, how do I know I have a relationship with Christ? How do I know I have a relationship with God Almighty? How do I know that Yahweh, the God of the universe, the triune master of heaven and earth, the one who created everything, who revealed his nature, who revealed his name unto us, who beckons us to be faithful. How do I know that I have a genuine relationship with him? How do I know that my faithfulness is anywhere near true? When it seems like so many others have it together and I don't. Have you thought any of these thoughts? If you have, if you do, the book of Colossians is going to change your life. If you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you through his perfect word, it will not return void. This small book will have mighty impact, helping you to know 
you have a genuine relationship with God Almighty, with Yahweh himself, through Yahweh saves Jesus Christ. To help you know that the genuineness of your salvation is absolute. And that you never have to question. You never have to worry. Is my salvation real? And you think any day, well, if I step off and do this bad sinful thing, does that mean my... You will be blessed by the book of Colossians. And you will know that the life of Christ-like pursuit is never one that yields vain results. Instead, it is one that can change your entire outlook. How do we capture a vision? First, we have to understand what we're doing here at Glendale Christian Church. And here at Glendale Christian Church, what we're doing is making disciples. This is our mission statement, to make disciples. It is merely three words long. To make disciples. Why does this church exist? To make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a radical, all-in, come-what-may follower of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. We will be radical compared to the world. They will think that we are nuts. We will be all-in. There will be no half-hearted effort. There will be no half-measures. We will be all-in for Christ, come-what-may. If the government says stop, we will not stop. If the community says, cease, we will not cease. Come what may, whether it means we lose our friends, our homes, or our very lives, we will never stop our pursuit of Christ. We will be disciples, and we will make disciples. We will not just grow in our own knowledge, we will help others come to Christ And in a world that increasingly drifts from the plumb line, we will call people back to God's truth by standing on his word and never acquiescing to what the world tells us to do. No, we will stand firm and we will climb towards Christ-likeness together. Now, we have a vision here at Glendale Christian Church, and that is to be father-willed, Christ-compelled, and spirit-led We want to know the will of the Father. We want to be compelled by the love of Christ. And we want to keep in step with the Spirit. Yahweh, this triune being, exists as Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father. And He wants us to have a relationship with Him. To do that, we must understand His will for us. We must understand the perfect loving example of the Lord Jesus And be compelled by Christ's example. And we must keep in step with the Spirit, never seeking to do it alone. For if we seek to grow in Christ-likeness under our own power, all we do is fail. So let's capture a vision. Let's capture a vision of what it is to be a disciple. A radical, all-in, come-what-may follower of Christ. And let's capture a vision of what it would be like to help grow more radical, all-in, come-what-may followers of Jesus Christ. Let's capture a vision of what my life, think to yourself, what would my life be knowing the will of the Father, being compelled by the love of Christ and keeping in step with the Spirit? Well, here at Glendale Christian Church, we desperately want to value what God values. And we understand that God values my knowledge. God values my worship. God values my service. God values my generosity. God values my family, God values my membership, and God values my invitation. 
And I want each and every person at Glendale Christian Church to be able to say this for yourself. God values my knowledge, worship, service, generosity, family, membership, and invitation. It is not self-aggrandizing to say that God values my knowledge. No, it means that God values your personal individual knowledge, not just mine. You can't sit there and say, Andrew knows a lot, that's good enough. Clay knows a lot, that's good enough. No! God values my knowledge. You have to be able to say that. Your knowledge must grow. If you want to become a disciple, your knowledge must increase, and so must your worship. Oh, Julia does enough worship for all of us. I, I, I don't need to do that. False. God values my knowledge. You must be able to affirm that. God values my service. It's time to get up and go. A believer, a disciple is going to do something. I'm going to serve. God values my service. How can I serve? I'll see a need. I'll meet a need. I'll join a serve team. I'll do what it takes. God values my generosity. I'm going to give of my time, talent, energy, and effort. Yeah, I'm going to give my money to God's stuff. I'm going to give my time to God's stuff. I'm going to give my effort and energy to God's stuff because God has transformed me, and so I want to live outwardly to the benefit of others, to the glory of God. And I'm going to do that starting at home. God values my family. And so men, it's time for you to say, I'm going to lead my family as the head of this household. I'm going to train my children. I'm going to lead my bride. I'm going to set the example following the perfect example. It's time. Children, yeah, it's time. It's time to follow your parents. And if they aren't being good examples, well, then you set a good example for the believers. And don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Women, it's time. It's time to be the one who will partner. Maybe you're all alone and you just need to partner with God. But it's time to be the partner God calls you to be so that you can help accomplish the mission of changing your family for God's glory. But it doesn't stop at the family. It extends to the community. God values my membership. And when you are a member of Glendale Christian Church, that means you are with a collective group of disciples, radical, all-in, come-what-may, followers of Christ, and you are ready to change the world. And our membership together means that we can change our community. And when our community changes, our region changes. And when our region strengthens, our nation is strengthened. And when our nation is strengthened, the world is blessed. It starts at home and then it expands outward. But it goes well beyond this nation. It goes to every nation. For Christ told us to go make disciples of all nations, of all people. And so my invitation is valued by God. God values my invitation. And so I will invite people to come to church. I will invite people to know Christ. I will invite people to get things done. Yes, I will. Because God values my participation. This helps us to form a vision. This helps us to form a vision. I believe that we can view ourselves as men and women who are changed by God's grace, who live at peace with God because we understand he values my knowledge, worship, service, generosity, family, membership, and invitation. I want to be father-willed, Christ-compelled, and spirit-led I want to make disciples, growing in discipleship and expanding. And if you can understand that and you can say, yes, I want that, then you have the intention 
And now I need you to think about what it would be like to live that way. And you will capture the vision. But we need some help with the means. We need some help with the means. How are we going to get it done? What is Glendale Christian Church going to do for me? Well, we have conversational discipleship groups, which are going to start up in a couple of weeks. And you can sign up right at the hub. There's slips of paper today. You can write your name, age, phone number, and email. Why do I say age? Because I want to put some of the younger guys with the older guys. I want to put some of the older gals with some of the younger gals. And I want to foster intergenerational relationships. Maybe you think to yourself, I don't know enough people at church. Sign up for conversational discipleship groups. Because they will be groups of three or four Men or three or four women who intergenerationally will grow together, will pray with one another, will learn each other's lives, and will grow in discipleship by conversing with one another and praying with one another. Conversational discipleships. You've got today, next week, all that time to sign up. We'll put it on the app. You can sign up online. You can sign up in person. You've got two more weeks to do it. We'll start the week after that. So come on, you can sign up next week, you can sign up the week after. If you are interested in meeting and growing, sign up for conversational discipleship groups. I ask that you meet for an hour once a week. That's it. An hour once a week for like six weeks. And what you do is you grow with one another. You learn who the other person is. You pray and you converse. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? No, but it might have a huge impact. Well, maybe you want to join the prayer team. I've been talking about the prayer team. Well, there's sign-ups at the Hub right now. You can sign up this week, next week, the week after, and any time after that. Now, the prayer team is not just receiving the prayer prompt. I send that to everyone. The prayer team is a little bit higher commitment. The prayer team says, I will keep a prayer journal. I will participate in the encouragement by sending cards, texts, emails, letters, giving phone calls to people and encouraging them and letting them know that I'm praying for them. It will require in-person prayer meetings where we will come and gather and all we will do is just pray together. It doesn't matter what level of health you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. This is a great opportunity to join a serve team and pray. Okay, well, that's one of the means to grow. How about the women's retreat coming up uh, January 20th and 21st? That might be a really great time to grow, to get to know some of the women of the church and to say, you know what? I just don't know enough ladies and I just don't, know have, I just don't have enough connections. I don't have enough friends at church. Well, I think you should sign up for the ladies' retreat, ladies. Or men. It's time to go to men's encounter. It's going to be February 10, 11, and 12. You can sign up for men's encounter starting next week, and we'll tell you all about it. Come talk to Clay, talk to me, or any of the guys that have gone before. Men's encounter is awesome, and I want you to go with me this year. Or maybe you just start coming on Wednesday nights starting January 11th. You know what we're going to be studying as a men's group? Colossians. You know what you're going to be studying as a women's group? Colossians. You know what you're going to be studying as a youth group? Colossians. You know what you're going to be studying as a little kid group? Colossians. Oh, it's almost like the whole church is going to be on the same page pursuing God together. Oh, and these are just the brand new things. These are just the brand new things. We always have spiritual training plans, they're at the hub. We always have Sunday school. We always have Sunday morning. We always have opportunity to grow. The means are there. The means are there. There is no one at this church who can say, church just doesn't really help me grow. Oh yeah? There are plenty of means. It's not our fault. Do you have the intention to grow? Okay. Then it's time to cast a vision. How can we do it? 
Well, this week, what I'd love for you to do is read the entire book of Colossians. It's not that long. I want you to read the entire book of Colossians. Pour through it. Study it. Think through it. Read it deeply. Don't just glaze over it. It won't take long. Read the entire book of Colossians this week. And I want you to cast a New Year's vision. Here's how you cast a New Year's vision. You think about what it would be like to be a faithful disciple. A radical, all-in, come-what-may follower of Jesus. Who's growing in the will of the Father. Following the example of the Son. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Who understands that I am here to make disciples who understands that God values my knowledge, God values my worship, God values my service, God values my generosity, God values my family, God values my membership, God values my invitation. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to practice and visualize and see myself not as a believer who doubts the genuineness of my relationship or the genuineness of my salvation or the genuineness of my life in Christ, but instead... I want you to think of yourself as a full-fledged, strong brother or sister in Christ. A faithful disciple in Christ. And I want you to imagine what it would be like to think, this faithful life that I have is totally worth it. I want you to imagine what it would be like to think, I am completely assured of my salvation. I want you to think what it would be like to say, I am completely assured of my personal relationship with God Almighty. If you have doubted any of these things, your relationship with God, the genuineness of your salvation, or the worthwhile nature of this thing called Christianity, this study of Colossians is going to change your life. I want you to think deeply about that. What would it be like not to doubt these things, but to know the genuineness of my relationship, of my salvation, and of my lifestyle in Christ? And if you can think about what that would be like, you've got a vision. And now you personalize it to your context, to yourself, to your family, to your growth, and you say, yes, I see what it would be like. I have the desire and I have the tools at my disposal. I need to be part of a community that will help me do it. Well, welcome home, church. It's going to be a great year. Would you stand with me and pray?